0: I don't know where you are in life right now. For Melissa and I, we are months away from becoming empty nesters. And that is a new way of looking at life. Like, what are we gonna do with... Don't, don't go there. Um, that's a different conversation. But what are we... So, without having to take kids to practice every night and all of... I mean, it just... It's a different. So, for me... Those unwritten pages of our life are a beautiful opportunity to kind of make an intentional decision of how that life is going to look. Maybe you are recently um, with a job change or you graduated from high school or you're looking at your life and you're like, I'm ready to turn over a new leaf. Wherever you are in life, whatever's left of your life is like this unwritten half of the book. And I want you to think about being intentional with the future that God is allowing you to live and the decisions that you make today are going to affect the story that you get to tell tomorrow. And as we are doing this series called My Life Story, the idea is that the rest of your life really can be the best of your life as long as we are not just haphazardly trying to go through day by day and not having a plan, the idea is to make decisions that affect our future. Wayne Dyer said this, and we learned this the last time we met, was our lives are the sum of the decisions we make. And if that's the case, then the decisions that I have made in the past are, or, or have become the story that I'm currently telling. But the beautiful thing is, is that the decisions that I make from here on out become the story that I get to tell tomorrow. And not to rehash everything we went over, I do want to mention this though, and this is kind of where we're going today, and that is that we make decisions, but then our decisions make us. And I think that it's important for us to realize that wherever you are in life, whether you are a teenager that that is thinking, my goodness, the next four to six years of my life are really critical. They set the trajectory for where I'm going to go in my career and my relationships. And I mean, it's such a critical time in my life. And to be honest with you, it's so unfair because we're so ill-equipped at that age, no offense, to make those big decisions of life which is why this message is so much more critical to hear because the question is like how do we end up with the life that God wants us to have when it's the decisions that we make today that make that happen? And life doesn't always turn out as planned, right? Because discovering God's will for your life, and living out God's will is not always a clear, easy path, and even if you find that path, it's not always a smooth path, because our expectations don't always equal reality. Have you ever seen those Pinterest fails? This is one of my favorite ones. So, so... You have like this idea, like I can make this, right? Olaf is, I'm going to make this Olaf birthday cake. This is not my wife's cooking, by the way. I really did find this on the internet. So this, that's what it's supposed to look like. But somewhere in the cooking process, this is what we ended up with, right? So somewhere we made some horrible decisions in this process, okay? Expectations did not meet reality because the process was faulty, all right? And that's what sometimes our life looks like. But here's what I love. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I try to be a pretty authentic guy in, in the struggles that I experience in life. And I think that's who you are as well. And, and if we were just honest with each other, we would realize that that none of us have this all figured out completely. As much as we like to to portray that, as much as we like to give off the vibe that we got it all under control. We all process things in such a way that create doubt or, or we're wondering if we really are batting a thousand, which never happens, by the way. Um, we all are trying to work on areas of our life, and we are all wondering if the decisions that we're making are really allowing us to live life to its fullest according to what God has in store for us. And here's what's encouraging, right? So you think of the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? He was, the, he was, aside from Christ, probably the greatest missionary that ever lived. And he, his writings are where we get so much of what we believe and practice as, as New Testament followers of Jesus. I want you to see this, this sense of uncertainty in his writings. If you have your Bibles or, or some type of electronic device that has a Bible app on it, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he's writing to the church at Corinth. And uh, the church at Corinth had been going through some difficult issues, and and as he's wrapping up this difficult book that he wrote to the church at Corinth, so it was just a letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth, and he had to address a lot of really harsh topics in here and he gets to the end of the chapter and here's how he's wrapping it up in verses 6 7 8 and 9 he says but i want i underlined all of the all of the words that i that i noticed that paul used that sounded uncertain so here is paul right He's got, a, he's got like a direct line to God. He picks up his phone, and it's like speed dial, right? He, God is right there to answer all of his questions. He really knows God probably better than any person on earth right at that time. And here's what he says about his plans that are forthcoming in regards to the church of Corinth. He says this, And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter... So that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope <laughs> to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door of effective work has opened to me. And the word end there could also be interpreted. But there are many adversaries. So the idea is like here you have Paul communicating to the church of Corinth, all right, here's my plans. Maybe, if, I think, wherever, I don't know. That's Paul. How beautiful is this? Like he was a real person. That's real life. And we similarly want God to tell us what to do and we want particulars about what to do. But the truth of the matter is that we can't know everything that we need to know and when we need to know it about what we're supposed to do. But here's the gift that God gives us. God promises wisdom. And this is what's so encouraging, is that even though God may not drop down, the answers, and fill all the blanks in for you. God promises wisdom to help us make decisions. And so today, that's what we're after. So Eric, how do I get that wisdom? But first, what is wisdom? Where is this coming from? Why do I need this in my life? The most beautiful definition of wisdom, in my opinion, the most useful definition of wisdom, is something I learned back in college from one of my teachers, And he put it this way. This is not something you're gonna find in the textbook somewhere. It's not gonna be something that you find in a dictionary. But I love this definition of wisdom that wisdom is simply looking at life from God's point of view. That's wisdom. God has an opinion about your life. Now, let's take that a step further. Wisdom is not only looking at life from God's point of view. I believe it's acting accordingly. Because just because you know what God's point of view is does not mean that you are behaving wisely if you make decisions that you know are not in agreement with God's point of view. God has (laughs) an opinion about your relationships, God has an opinion about your marriage, God has an opinion about your finances and how you spend your money. God has an opinion about how you raise your kids. God has an opinion about your career path. God God has not just an opinion, but what God thinks matters a lot because he wants what's best for you and ultimately what will further the purposes of the kingdom of God through your life here on earth. And what I love is that God wants to give you wisdom. There's a great story in the Old Testament that you may or may not be familiar with, but the third king of Israel was a man named Solomon. His dad was David. And Solomon was so overwhelmed by the burden of leadership that was placed upon him when David died. And becoming the king, he, he, he confessed that he was just a kid and, and how in the world am I going to lead these people? And he was overwhelmed with the task and he went up to, to the altar and he sacrificed 1,000 offerings on this, on this altar to God. And God saw his heart and God comes to Solomon and says, Solomon, listen, whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. And Solomon says, God, I need wisdom I don't even know how to, how to rule these people. I don't even know what to say. I need your wisdom. And what I love is that God responds to him and says, Solomon, I love this so much. You didn't ask for wealth. You didn't ask for long life. You didn't ask for victory over your enemies. You didn't ask for peace. You asked for wisdom. So here's what I'm going to do. Because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you all that too. And then is it, is it any wonder then that the book of Proverbs... In our, in, in our Bibles, the whole book of Proverbs is about wisdom and what it looks like for our life. And, and Solomon is the one who compiled all of this. He's not the originator of all of it, but he compiled all of these writings. And so much of what we are actually going to read today is from the book of Proverbs, which are the writings of the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, including this one. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 towards the beginning of the book of Proverbs, he says this, Wisdom is the principal thing. And I want to clarify, it just doesn't mean that it's the most important. That doesn't mean that it's, it's the, the, the the primary. The word principle there means that it is also the beginning. Like it's the first thing that you should come to. So if you want to look at where your life is going, the first thing you should consider is wisdom. And then it says this, therefore, get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. All right, Eric. So, so how does that happen? Where does this wisdom come from? So let me give you just a few things um, with, with, a, with a viewpoint of, of uh, what, what, what God has to say about getting wisdom. So this is how to make wiser decisions. And the first thing is this, hang around or, or walk with wise people. I would say probably the greatest influence specifically on a young person in life for many young people are the friends that they have. Isn't it amazing that your mother can birth you and raise you? Your father can provide for you. They sacrifice everything for you. And you meet a kid in junior high for three weeks and you fall madly in love and your whole world revolves around him and your parents are now stupid. Right? Nothing, no, no knock on teenagers. I mean, I, it, I understand. I'm just saying that, that friends have an incredible influence on us from an early age. And what I'm talking about is intentionality. Intentionality. As you are looking to fill the pages of your life, of your unwritten story, with the decisions that you're making right now, I would beg you to intentionally choose those that you spend life with. Solomon said in Proverbs 13, 20, he said this, he that walks with wise men shall be wise. And the word walks there is more than just walking alongside of it, it is you become their companion. But then he says this, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Here's the point it is almost impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. Because the truth is that your friends oftentimes determine your future. You hang around wise people, it's amazing how you start making wise decisions. You hang around stupid people, you get stupider. When you, when you hang around stupid people and you do stupid stuff at stupid times of the day, at stupid places, you are becoming stupider. And you're going to make stupid choices in life that make, that what's going to happen is now you're filling these pages up with great stories. Hold my beer. But it's not leading to the life that you could be living And all I'm saying is that you have a choice to make who you spend time with. And if you want to make good decisions, you need to hang around people who have made good decisions. So what do you want to be good at? Like what? All right. Um, Melissa and I, when we found out we were pregnant, it was such a happy moment. And then all of a sudden, (gasps) I need help. And we began to look around as we, as we had this little baby, right? We began to look at other parents who were raising good kids. And we, were, we, we had these, these friends. They were the Coopers. The Coopers had 12 children, right? They were overachievers. <laughs> they lived in a three-bedroom, two-bath house. They had the best kids, right? Happy, engaged. They could talk with adults. They weren't sulky. They, they, when, when they showed up at a youth activity or they came to church or they were in any kind of environment, they were the kids that were having fun, doing everything, loved life. The older kids were having to take care of the younger kids all the time. And it was just one of those things where you're like, well, this isn't ideal, but they made it work, and they had great kids. And so guess what we did? Hey, Coopers, can we pick your brain for a while? Tell us what works for you. How do you do this? There was another family the Dickerson's that had three girls, and they were great kids, just kind-hearted, loving kids, Respectful of their mom and dad, but they loved life. They laughed a lot. They enjoyed. So, what's your secret sauce? Like, what? How are you making this happen? Let me tell you. They they would offer us books to read. We read them all. We just about memorized them, and we tried our best to spend time with people who were successful at what we were trying to be successful in doing. So, so what's your goals? Like, do you want to become a better parent? Do you want to have a good marriage? Do you want to be better at finances? Like what do you want a better career? My suggestion is spend time with people who are really good in that area. And so so you're like, well, Eric, here's the problem. Like I that would be a big change for me. I have some stupid friends. And they mean a lot to me. And I don't want to hurt them, right? So how do I let them down easy? Like how do I, how do I make sure that, that I am not being a jerk? Let me just tell you that if, what, what, what's amazing to me, and I'm, I'm not just trying to give you a blanket answer here, but a, a lot of times what happens is when you start making the right decisions in life, your friends take care of themselves, right? All of a sudden you're not into doing that and the decisions you're making are making the decisions for you. You know what I'm saying? So, like, like, you're learning that that's not appropriate behavior or that's not very responsible or that's not a good way to spend your money or that's not a good way to, 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 to raise kids or that's not a good way to treat your wife. And all of a sudden, what happens is the other folks begin to see the way, and ah, I just feel weird around that part. And I'm not saying that we don't want to bring them along and I'm not saying we don't want to be a good friend to them and I'm not saying leave them hanging, I'm just saying don't sacrifice your future for that. And Make some intentional decisions to spend time with people who are wiser than yourself. But here's the thing. You're never going to bat a thousand. You're not going to get it all correctly. It's a journey, and it's about the influence that they're having on you to help you improve your chances of making the right decisions in life. So walk with wise people. Second of all, ask for wisdom. Ask for it. God promises he'll give it. A couple verses here. Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord gives wisdom. That's what Solomon did. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. James chapter one, James is writing to Christians who were being persecuted, the early church in Jerusalem. He's writing to these persecuted people going through difficult times. He says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, Now, I've read so much about this phrase right here, because when we read it, we think, well, sometimes you need wisdom, sometimes you don't. That's not what he's saying. It's a matter of degrees. It's a matter of how much wisdom do you need right now. You always need wisdom. He could have said here, since you need wisdom, but the idea here is not whether or not you need it, it's how much do you need right now? So, what James is saying is, is, however much wisdom you need right now in your life, here's, what he, here, here's how he instructs us. Wherever you're deficient in the area of wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, who are we talking about? We're talking about our Father, our giving God who wants to bless us and wants to give us who gives generously to all without reproach. That word means fault finding. So he's not looking for reasons not to bless you. He's not looking for reasons not to give you wisdom. He is not going to withhold wisdom from you. And it will be given him. But let him ask, and this is really important, people. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Why did he put that in there? I think the reason he put that in there is because he knows that a lot of people ask for God's opinion so that you can add it to the list of multiple choice answers. God's not interested in you making a decision whether or not you are going to abide by his opinion or not. If you're asking for his opinion, he's expecting you to abide by his wisdom that he's bestowing upon you. So the idea of asking faith is this. It's with the intention of doing it. So I think that that's a really key point here. Because a lot of times people say, God, I want to know what to do. So it's like you're going to put that out here, and then you're going to put what you want to do here, and what your friends say over here, and you're going to decide which one. That's not how God operates. God's way is perfect. and He's offering us wisdom. And when we ask in faith, it's with The intent to actually do what he is telling us that we ought to do. And here's it's 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 a matter of taking away the question mark. Like as soon as we so, so there is no question on the character of God, the wisdom of God, or his desire for your life to be successful and good in his eyes. And when you ask in faith, it's a matter of determining to do the right thing according to the information that you've received from him. Ask God for wisdom and it will be given. So you walk with wise people, you ask God for wisdom, and then thirdly, you make the best decision you can. And I love this so much. All right? What I'm saying is, you're gonna mess up. Like you can walk with wise people and you can, you can pray for wisdom and you're still gonna mess up. That's my encouragement to you this morning. You're welcome. (laughs) But at some point, right? Okay, listen, I'm a slow cooker. I don't make fast decisions. I frustrate everybody in my life because it takes me forever to choose anything. I'm like just one of those guys that I just wanna make sure, but you know what I've learned? At some point, you're just never gonna be 100% there. And so what you gotta do it's just do it. And you know what that means? Sometimes you're going to fall off and skin your knee and so you get back up on the bike and you keep pedaling and you learn from that one. You're not going to bat a thousand. You're not going to get them all right, but here's what I love so much, right? It's about who you're becoming even as you mess up. But if you are walking with wise people and they are helping Direct you in life. And when you're asking God for wisdom in life, and then you're making the best decision that you can, there's never going to be a hundred percent. You know why? It's not because God's wisdom is faulty, it's that you're included in the decision process and you're faulty. So God can give you perfect wisdom, and wise people can give you perfect information, but you're still you. And when you mix that all together, you're not going to get a thousand batting average because you're part of the swing. But you're going to do a lot better. And as you are making decisions that even don't succeed or don't end up where you think, it's still not time lost. So, so like, there are some things that we already know that we've already received instruction from. So, here, here's how you break it up. If the Bible's clear, you already know what to do. The Bible is very clear about certain things. You don't steal. You don't lie. You don't commit adultery. I mean, there, there, are, there are things that the Bible is very clear about that God has already given us his wisdom on that help you live a life that is fulfilling and honorable and will lead to a life that's successful. Where the Bible is clear, you already know what God wants you to do. Where the Bible doesn't give you a command. Like where there is no command, God gives you the wisdom to choose. (laughs) But that's, so God gives you the wisdom to choose, but that's not the choice. That's the wisdom to choose the right thing, which means you will make mistakes. But even when you make mistakes, you learn from that. Even Paul wasn't hundred percent right. Look at this, First uh, Thessalonians. He's writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he says this in the first verse of chapter three: Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, what does it say? We thought it good to be left at Athens alone. Like he's not saying we got clear direction from God, or we thought it good. In other words. It seemed like the right decision at the time. And sometimes that's our life, right? Sometimes we don't 100% know. I can give you stories recently of when, like, I really felt like this was the right decision. And it was a mistake. You would think at 52 I'd stop that. And then I look at some of you and I'm like, okay, I still got time. But here's the great thing, right? God promises to be with you, even when you get it wrong. Thank you, God, that when I screw up, you're still with me. I can walk with wise people, I can ask you for wisdom, and I can still get it wrong. And when I get it wrong, you're still with me? working on me, and you're gonna use that. Here's what's great. You're gonna use that failure to teach me a lesson so I don't do that again, and now I just got wiser. You see what's happening? It's all part of this process. So mistakes can even be a good thing happening to you because you're discovering a new truth of what not to do. Yeah, you might end up with an extra bill every month. been there done that it might take you an extra year now okay i've been there but what have you learned was that not valuable how can you use that to help somebody else you have become wiser because of it it is so worth the mistake if you become wiser because of it so we're we're trying to improve our chances here right of making good decisions so that when we write our story from the decisions that we're making, it becomes a beautiful story that we can tell. We're never going to get it perfect. That's the humanity that's sinking in there, but we want to get as close as we can. So we walk with wise people, we ask for wisdom, and then we make the best decisions that we can. We're just not going to get it perfect. Perfect. But here's the beautiful thing about the life that we live and the purpose that we have here on earth. I truly believe this that each one of you have a group of people in your life that are watching the life that you live in Christ. They're like on the front row and you're on the stage. It's not that they're critical, it's not that they're examining you, it's people that you do life with, it's your kids. It's your family, it's your co-workers, it's it's your neighbor. And these are people that God has surrounded you with, that you have some influence over. And as you are living your life trying to please the Lord and trying to make good decisions, those good decisions and that way of life then becomes the salt and light that we are supposed to be. Because living in the wisdom that God provides looks very different from the culture that we live in. And looking at life and living our life from God's point of view should look significantly different from those around us. Your priorities change, your ambition changes, your your focus becomes eternal rather than temporal, and people notice. And that's the whole thing. I don't know who it is in your life that God has put there, but on average, it's somewhere between eight and 15 people. Somewhere between eight and 15 people that God has put in your life. And like you could make a list of them. Maybe it's more for you, maybe it's less. I'm just saying, on average. And that's like this group of people that God has brought into your life that is your world, and that world needs to see what it looks like to live for Jesus. And the wisdom that we gain and the life that we live becomes a testimony of what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. James chapter three, verse 17 says this, but the wisdom from above, so this wisdom that we're getting is first pure, Then peaceable, gentle, (laughs) open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I want to live that way. Like I want my life to to, to, to exhibit the relationship that I enjoy with Christ. And I want it to influence the world that I live in, whoever they are, And that makes makes a difference to me on the decisions that I make. And the story that we are writing, whatever that life story is, is going to be written based on the decisions that we make and the people that we influence are going to be influenced because of the decisions that we make in life. Let's pray. Father, help us to look beyond the immediate and become intentional with the life that we live. And help us to be thinking about and planning for a life that honors you. And look for wisdom and see what your opinion is about our behavior, our conduct, our life. So that we can live a life of wisdom that looks like you would want it to look. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.